Warning, the following audio may contain content inappropriate for a younger audience. Also, spoilers will be included for the most recent episode of Game of Thrones. You have been warned. And welcome to A Feast for Bros, the most hilariously titled Game of Thrones podcast on the internet. (laughs) Today we'll be discussing Season 6, Episode 6, Blood of My Blood. I know we were making like some some album jokes last time in terms of album titles, but it turns out that's actually the title of a DMX album. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, it's good. I did not know that. So I don't know if DMX was a it was a GRM fan or what the deal is there, but yeah, that's no, a real thing. Uh, <laughs> so, excellent. Uh, uh, so welcome to the podcast, guys, and thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Sean Solis, and I'm joined by Jack Newman. Hey guys, how you doing? Ben Haworth. Hey everybody. Trevor Flynn. Hey guys. And Sarah Becker. Howdy. Sarah's here to prove that uh, women can be bros too, so we're happy yeah. to have you. <laughs> <laughs> can we, can we please, say, after this revelation for... about uh, DMX, can we please end it on the song Keep Your Shit the Hardest? That sounds like the best song from... <laughs> Flesh of my flesh, yeah. blood of my blood. <laughs> Talk to the editor. We'll see if it happens. <laughs> <laughs> we might get taken down for now. <laughs> so I wanted to go ahead and start this podcast off at Bravos, and obviously the, the all the action here happens at King's Landing, so we'll get to that eventually. But uh, we'll start with some of the some of the you know, earlier plot lines and knock them out real quick. So with Bravos, uh, Arya finally gets some movement. I know we've kind of been comparing her storyline to leveling up in a video game, so maybe this is the episode where she, like, rage quits? I don't know. <laughs> this is the moral choice episode, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she's, she's sent to carry out this assignment where she's going to assassinate Lady Crane, who's the actor who plays Cersei Lannister in the play, the play within a play. And again, we kind of see the whole uh, end of season four where Joffrey, I guess, gets poisoned at the wedding. And we, again, see the whole problem with reception where, you know, it, what, the, what they actually show in the play isn't really what happened, right? Like, they make it look like Tyrion did the poisoning, and of course it was actually mm-hmm. really Littlefinger in collaboration with the Tyrells, but of course no one really knows that except for us. Um, what I kind of found interesting, though, is that, like, you kind of see Arya's reaction to her watching this, and she's kind of laughing at the whole bit, you know, initially. But at the very end, she kind of seems a little sympathetic for Cersei, which was struck struck me as a little weird since Cersei's like on her hit list. So I thought that was more Arya relating you... to what happens when a close relative dies in front of you. So I thought that was a kind of an interesting little twist on how they did the scene there. Would it be more like Arya? Because I took it a bit in context, Arya being aware of the problems of death and like vengeance is because like she's she she sees joffrey die and she's laughing and she's like she didn't get the experience of seeing joffrey die even though she wanted to so she takes enjoyment from that but then watching the suffering of cersei who is also on our list but just watching the reality of it and it really because like joffrey's death is comical that's not how he died you know it's the play because you know they're you know the player it's like it's a grotesque um it's a grotesque version of what actually happened and but in context like seeing cersei that that actress render 
a lifelike performance of what actually did happen other than you know the fact that like Arya brings up that you know she would be angry yeah, as the actual person Arya seems to like take a step back from herself and i think that's the other thing is like i think it's her like really the whole episode is her comparing like am i ready for this path of just murder for murder's sake which is essentially what the fucking you know the men come you know the faceless men come down to is death right and i do wonder it's very interesting i do wonder where it's going with this because it almost feels like it is all part of the test that's like such a layered weird bizarre cult right. that it almost feels like if she kills way that's the test because there's, thing that's there's is, no doubt well, in my mind there's going to be some connection to the white walkers inherent in the faceless men at this point right i think it's also that there's something to do with the way that waif is also clearly not known because she's driven much like ari is she's driven by corporeal things mainly jealousy she's very much jealous that ari seems to get all the attention from jack and, and or sexy jesus as we all like to call him <laughs> and doesn't get uh, as much love as, as as Arya does, and so I do wonder if there's a big part of it, it all is a test, and there really isn't such a thing as becoming no one. That there, you kind of always have a sense of yourself. I don't know. We'll see what kind of happens next episode. But I do. I think that's a good point to it because it does seem kind of ironic that in sending her to kill Lady Crane, it it, it would seem to overcome like her own like um, agendas that they actually kind of made her go through sort of a personal catharsis where she like sees those agendas better and in such a way that it leads them her away from what they're pushing her towards at the same time. It's really confusing kind of. I, I love it because this is the show's way of like they're the characters are so intertwined in game of thrones is like there's not there's no possible way everyone can have a payoff with a character that's wronged them for instance like there's no doubt to me that Cersei's gonna die by um Jamie's hands but I have no doubt that, like Arya is probably not going to have a hand in that Arya didn't have a hand in Joffrey's death even though she definitely wanted to kill Joffrey and all these other things so it's it's a great way for them to give to kind of tie up the loose ends of like Arya doesn't act isn't actually able to complete these storylines that we started but at the same time you know there's kind of completion to them right and uh, another point I wanted to make about this whole play scene the whole play within a play is that uh, I think there's a really interesting kind of comparison between the faceless men and the actors, or I guess more of a contrast, because uh, the actors are a little bit like the faceless men in the sense that they're always putting on different masks, right? But there's a fundamental difference, and I think Arya really realizes that at the end, where you know the actors at the end of the day can take off their mask and go back to being themselves, and that's really what she kind of romanticizes about the actors, and particularly Lady Crane, and I actually think that plays a big part both in her decision to spare Lady Crane, but also her decision to kind of leave the faceless men. Because uh, she can kind of have a better thing where she is, you know, she can have, you know, she can be a great assassin and she can, you know, she can put on different faces. But at the end of the day, she's still Arya. Mm. So. She's still someone. She's not no one. She unburies exactly. Needle. And what is the point of getting the revenge if you have lost all sense of yourself? Like, what is even the point of get, killing those people if you they have literally no meaning to you anymore? It no longer becomes revenge. It just becomes, you know, an act. Exactly. Exactly. Ooh. Ooh. Connections. Also, it, uh, it explained why they got such a, a good actor, Essie Davis, to play Lady Crane. Because uh, she yeah, it was really important. good in that play, and she was. <laughs> no, she did, job. and she was. It yeah. was... Uh, 
I was like, wow, that's a lot of pathos for Cersei. Not that Lena Headey's doing a bad job. It's just Lena Headey takes it in an entirely different direction. Yeah, right. <laughs> I like I liked the comparison and acting choices because it was like this character within a play within a play of a, of like the show. I was like, oh, that's a different choice for Cersei, you know. But you know, <laughs> right? You get to kind of play it both ways because she's seen it more as like a mother who loses a son versus sort of. I think they actually said it a little bit. Like it's interesting to me because I was wondering if there was a parallel. I think the version in the play is probably closer to what nearly happened in the book as opposed to like Lena Headey's character is kind of taking Cersei in a little bit of a different direction. Like I'm saying she is a good actress and the showrunners are conscious of her as a good actress are pushing Cersei back towards a position of power whereas in the book she's essentially become a loon at this point. So. Right. Right. We'll get we'll get there. I'm sorry. I don't mean to jump No, forward. well I think oh, you're right in that there is sort of that the whole play kind of felt like a little bit like more book friendly which is kind of interesting because apparently the the line uh Tyrion said you guys said he could before he killed Tywin was from the book if I get correct or it's a line from the book uh oh interesting yeah the, the, well I think they the, I think they included lines from the book on purpose I think that whole play was put together even though I know Trevor you find the uh the uh, iambic pentameter to be insanely annoying. No, rhyming couplets. Rhyming yeah. couplets to yeah. be insanely annoying. Well, accurately annoying. I mean, they are. Really? I'm not, I, yeah. <laughs> right, I mean, I agree with that. I agree with that. I just, I think, like, they're definitely taking this opportunity to do some of the lines that they just never got the out- opportunity to do. So, quickly, before we move on, is, is everyone on the same page that the Waif is going to die next episode? Oh, <laughs> no, yeah, she's, she's I'm not. not going to survive. <laughs> something's something's got to well, give, and I don't know where the hell Ari is going with the storyline because like this was comes back around to the thing, but at the point like I, I think in the points in the books, and correct me if I'm wrong because I'm kind of rusty, but like she was sent after Daenerys at some point, right? Um, was she? I, I don't think she was. No, 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 no. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. This is my theory. <laughs> okay. Sorry. All I know is <laughs> my, I just really expected are... her to leave sure. town. After Jack got fan fiction in his book. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I, I did. I uh, I think I did. Because I really did expect her that to be the intersection of Ari. And this is the whole thing. is like we're, We don't really know at what point like all these things are going to collide. But I was just expecting everyone on the continent to collide and Ari to go after Dan- Danny in some form or fashion. So this is taking in a different direction. I truly have no idea where they're going to go. I just can't believe she I went have... back to her little cell after she failed. And they said clearly there won't be like, a face that's I... going on the wall either way. Well, and she so, goes back yeah, to her she kind of knew something was coming for her. So, so here's what I think. Because Arya's talent now that she's picked up with the Faceless Men is that she can like deal with a situation in complete and total darkness, right? Because she was blind for like two or three mm-hmm. episodes. So sense. you notice she like blows out the candle there and it's like pitch dark in there. So maybe that's like the idea that Arya's going with is that she probably can't fight the Waif like one-on-one like in the light, but like in a dark environment, she might be able to take her on. Wait, wait, Sean. Let me get this right. So the entire point of the blindness was to make her Batman because I am 100% for that idea I mean she really if we're, if we're being realistic she's basically here, she really a human like George Batman Hart. I'm totally on board <laughs> alright on that note let's go ahead and move on to the reach uh, so we got a great little scene with the Tarleys there and uh, Ben you want to take us away yeah yeah this is uh, sort of our more soap opera-y section uh some people don't like it, but uh, basically what happened is Sam and uh, Gilly and the little Sam, who's uh, of course not actually Sam's <laughs> child, if you remember it's a Craster child, but he's telling Gilly that when they arrive at Horn Hill, she has to A, not tell uh, his dad that she's a wildling because he hates them, and B, tell them that it's his son. 
So uh, they go and have what is probably the worst meal since Breaking Bad. <laughs> the most awkward <laughs> meals. Uh, Randall Charlie is a huge jerk, as we expected. And his mom and sister are very sweet and nice. But we get sort of an interesting bit into Sam's life. And then Sam seems to do the Sam thing and let Gilly go and, and, and you know go on to be sad and do the best. But then he decides, no. I'm going to take Gilly, I'm going to take little Sam, and he's going to take the Valerian Steel Sword, Heartsbane, which is, uh, certainly seems that, very important, because they focus that was on that a, a lot. That was a, that was a weird decision for me, for him taking Heartsbane, because, I mean, I, I figured that, like, he, okay, I get it, like, he's taking Gilly, I agree with that, because, like, oh, an accident will befall Gilly, because, like, let's be honest, like... Like the Tarly is a dick, and that's an interesting. That's a that's a departure from the book a little bit because Tarly was a dick always, but Tarly it was weird because like uh when when Tarly was kind of coming into the capital he was shown to be kind of more a proprietor a proprietor of like law and order and stuff in the book, so he was always more like you know he was tough he was he was horribly tough but he was fair to some extent and people liked that about him whereas in here he's just he's just utterly a dick like he's just utterly a dick to his <laughs> right. <side. laughs> yeah i don't i was kind of happy with the decision to take the sword cuz you can there was a little bit of character development going on there with um oh with uh with sam in the sense that i feel like gilly kind of so- like like it's stable. so passive aggressive. <laughs> he is. It's so passive aggressive. It's I'm like, just like... It's, <laughs> it's like Gilly took her spare set of balls and like stapled them, <laughs> stapled them to Sam. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Which I was kind of happy with. Like it's like it was about time that he like kind of took took ownership of the situation, right? Because he's like he's been through a lot of shit. Like he's been but beyond the wall he's killed you know apparently he's killed a Ben. i don't remember that happening and he's killed a white walker um so it's it's about time that he actually like starts standing up for himself a little bit so i thought that mm-hmm. was kind of a, it was almost like a little cute you know a little token to the audience to to kind of show that hey you know he is kind of getting better at it so uh so yeah just with uh, sam taking the sword and that it, it um it's within his character arc I feel like because no, it's definitely not something he would have done when we first met him, but it's a good way to show that, you know, he's growing and yeah, Gilly is helping him quote, become a better man or something. I hate using that phrase because it, you know, (laughs) is this stereotypical definition of what a man should be. But within this universe, that's what she's helping him do. Right. Definitely. And the masculinity is like you said, in this universe, consider something like that taking a stand taking the action mm-hmm. right and kind of moving forward because i hope i hope that this is something that they kind of build off of uh with his character you know that he's kind of take he has a little bit more agency i guess is, is probably a little bit better way to put it but um i guess exactly from here sure. he's going he's going to uh old town right and he's going to go become <laughs> a maester uh, does anyone have any thoughts on where that's going to go? Uh, is he going to be there for quite a long time, kind of leveling up like we've seen with Arya? Is that only going to be a short well, stop on the way? Like, what, where, where I, do you here's think the other going? thing. This, the, other, the problem with um, him going to Old Town is that in the books and in the show, I kind of envision it at, it at it being the point where Sam discovers ancient knowledge about that, which is kind of silly that we have two characters seeking knowledge because, let's be honest, like, Bran is the ultimate what happens storyline where they're literally have like the best flashback mechanics vehicle ever. So I don't understand what he can find there that they can't show us better through Bran. I almost hope that, you know, we get back to Sam 
at the points in his storyline because I'm more invested in Sam as a character than really Bran to some extent. I don't really actually enjoy Bran's growth, but I enjoy what's happened with his character. I agree. Ex- I mean, what's happened with his what's happened with his storyline and his capabilities? I was like, use Bran to show me what the fuck happened, and just you know, and grow Sam, which is maybe why he's taking Heartsbane. Because they are going to play it more like an like an introduction to the Maesters and the Maesters and what's going on there. Because also, when you know the Maesters, there are individuals there. There's the Magician Maester who goes off and is going to go be the Maester for Daenerys. So I think there's going to be an introduction. An introduction. Um, Sam is going to be a vehicle to introduce us to like other parts of the continent, High Garden and Old Town, and other things that need to be going on there. So I think really like. Sam is going to be a table-setting character until the consequences of Heartsbane come back around. All right, and I do also wonder if, if, if Heartsbane's a big part of the larger plot. I feel like moving a Valerian steel sword anytime, is, or especially near the White Walkers, is always going to be somewhat important. It's a, it's a big deal, yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, I, I take Sam's point. Like he, it's, it's, more, it's interesting. Like It's really smart. Like, oh, here is Valyrian steel. We can make arrows out of that shit. You know? Right, like, right. And I do wonder <laughs> if there will be something thematically about the dissolution of his house versus the greater good of melting down the sword at some point, like you said, for arrows or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Or maybe the maesters down there will be able to, like, I don't know, dissect the sword is not the right word, but study it and then figure out how to make it again. Make more hilarious. Oh. They've tried. Um, it they require magic as well as dragons, as best ah, we can tell. Gotcha. Uh, all right. What did y'all think about the fake out? I'm sorry, I know we're about to move on, but just I, I thought that was maybe what built up to taking the sword really well. Is that they like made it like well, Sam could have left. Like you still could have believed that he could have walked out the door, but then he turned around. And, well, like, faked I was pretty sure. I was I was worried. I was like, please don't give me another Gilly gets raped like thing. Like, okay, I was like, do not yeah. rape another character, especially out of context in the book. You've already done it once out of context of the book. If this is Gilly's yeah. storyline at House Tarly, I'm not gonna enjoy it because it's not important to the overall what's happening in the land, and it's just you adding suspense to another character that we've come right. to care about i don't right. know that's it very be, true and i I, and, yeah. I think they've learned yeah and I, I i was about as effective as they did they let it they let it play for like 20 seconds and then sam comes in because like ultimately like we want sam to be the best person even though he is scared you know because we definitely have like a samwise gamgee thing going with him <laughs> or at least with his character no i mean like that's that's the truth like that's that's the appeal of his character like sam is like this plotting like he's just this fat dude and he you know he just rolls up and is just like fuck you white walker <laughs> <I'm back." laughs> Most characters have, have plot armor. Sam has nice armor. He's like he's so nice. We don't ever want to see him get hurt. But mm. if yeah. he ever does, it'll be very important to the plot. I feel like he's just not going to die. Right. I don't trust this show. Yeah. Anyone can it's true. die. It's true. Yeah. I'm not saying he can't die, but I feel like it would be somehow meaningful in some way. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. Sam is always leading towards some sort of very noble death. I think that's what is all kind of leading up to in some way. Some active nobility that's going to be super important. Right, the, whole John, like the guy you never trusted, and like again, like a Samwise Gandhi thing. Like Samwise was just a fun, silly guy who was one of the most important people in the War of the Ring, you know. And I think right. that's somewhat similar. Where Sam is, you know, this fat loser supposedly up in the north, but he's actually super smart and super courageous deep down, and he's going to be like deeply important somehow. And his death or uh, whatever will be very noble. <laughs> he's literally GRRM himself. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, I'm just saying, like, I, I could tell that there's like, you know, like he literally says it through Tyrion's. I have a soft spot for bastards and broken things. Like, I think that's, 
I think like Sam falls into that category in his own, well, not broken things way, but like, you know what I mean? Like, right. I think it's just people, it that disenfranchi- people disenfranchised more than anything else, I would say. Right. And that's why I think we root for Gilly. And then again, for, uh, you know, for Sam's mother and sister, because it was kind of great to see that they weren't. God, as- I love them so much. <laughs> they were so nice. It's just, and it's, it's just amazing to me, like how much I like, like, like being like just basically decent in like this kind of time period is just like it's just like and that's the thing is like nowadays to be decent it's not a it's not hard to be a decent person you know it's not hard to do that but like in the i mean it's not hard for them too because they're very very rich but like i mean but i think that the issue is like it's it's so just amazing and you're immediately like i love that character i want to see them do well i don't give a shit I don't give a shit. I want to see them succeed as people. And, and it's weird just like how it immediately, like, you know, seeing anyone that's just basically decent in Game of Thrones, like, makes me immediately, like, I hope they win. Which is, I don't know. I don't know why I had such a visceral reaction to them. It's just like, you know, these people are nice. That's that's a that's a first. Right. Well, moving, yeah, they're just from, about uh, the first, like, truly nice characters we've met. <laughs> and, that, and, yeah. and and like the sister protecting the wildling like and even when she knew it was a wildling i was just like oh my god this is amazing mm. like, like, and just because she loves her brother i was just like oh my god this is so touching like, they're probably gonna die they're too nice <laughs> that was yeah. that was exactly what i thought <laughs> i was just like they're gonna die i mean i don't like, want them horrible to, is gonna happen. We, i know but it's gonna happen we needed uh, some replacement for H- Hodor now that Hodor's gone. We needed other nice uh, characters. <laughs> yeah, is it, that is true. Like, Hodor is the, was the only person in the series that was just a generally nice guy. He's like, blood sausage, Hodor. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving from uh, one family reunion to another family reunion, let's go uh, above the wall with uh, right. Bran and Benjamin. So, Jack, if you want to take us away. So this is an interesting thing. Uh, when we left Bran, you know, things look really fucked for him. Um, he's going through the woods. He sacrificed Hodor, and he's and, and I think they were trying to again process the fact that like there's some something has happened in terms of a download between the Three-Eyed Raven and Bran, mm-hmm. or at least and it's funny too because I didn't catch on that in the last episode until I saw after this after the Thrones episode and like the showrunner was talking about it. And that's, and I think that they're definitely trying to show that again, more so here is like with the flashback sequence. We'll get to that flashback because that's the biggest thing is like that flashback sequence has some of the most revealing moments, or at least just showing more moments of what could happen mm-hmm. in the show. <laughs> but uh, what the biggest deal that came up is that we got uh, Benjamin Stark came out of nowhere with a really useful like weapon i'm just gonna say it's the most effective (laughs) most effective white fighting weapon i mean i don't think it would be effective in real life but it sure as fuck was cool on the show right (laughs) there's a lot of wind up to that uh that was that was a kratos weapon like a fire chain that was great yeah i was like i I was like there was it was like you know they're realistic about a lot of things and like people not being good at combat and stuff like that but i was like in the north it's like anything goes fire chain (laughs) 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 also how the where the fuck did Benjamin get that weapon does he have a forge up north where they were like here's a chain of fire the children of the forest don't use metal so i'm not touching it you know (laughs) whatever (laughs) whatever i don't i don't care like you know there's like no armor or metal on any of the wildlings they have all have short swords and spears because they can't forge long swords because they don't have enough metal for it but we're gonna make a chain mace (laughs) it's gonna be awesome so i'm not touching it i'm not touching it it was like a i know right it's like a flint on a chain (laughs) is it based on oil like what are they putting in there (laughs) 
why do all why do what, like what are these whites made out of like gasoline like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> he's made of coal magic that's all I he need he just kind of pops people with it and they go boom <laughs> and I, was just like, I like how every yeah. time fire is introduced Jack is like <laughs> we need to question this <laughs> hey I didn't I didn't question I never questioned the magical like wildfire substance you know that had context you know like this thing's just stupid <laughs> <laughs> but it's so awesome. Super cool. I know it was such a cool sequence, and that's what it boils down to. Um, I think they're kind of confirming to me, and this is the thing: there's lines in the episode that kind of suggest he's cold hands, and the showrunners kind of confirm it. They never actually confirm cold hands' identity in the book as Benjamin Stark, though uh, you know he's the most beloved for it, and I think that's that's. But it's interesting to see that the show is starting to confirm more and more things. Well, I think he's got to be cold hands, uh, just because they, when they were explaining or when Benjamin was explaining how you know he survived after the right. raiding there's party no reason for on. him to be a white walker other than like Benjamin could have just been lost up north and chilling with a three eye raven there's no reason for him to ha- go, have gone through a transformation right. other than to be confirmed as cold hands right. I, so, I think it could be but I think also the show is very much in fan service mode and it, I can still see the book not having cold hands be Benjamin Oh yeah, right. They do no, combine I agree. a lot of characters to save time and just make it more interesting. Well, re- and remember, why not? Cold yeah. hands is way more interesting than hey, I'm cold hands. I'm a random guy. You know, it's hmm. way more emotional. Well, and, and, and well, it's exactly like the three-eyed raven and like uh, Maester Aemon being like Targaryens. It's like there's like that's that's like like because Maester like the the three-eyed ravens is most likely Brendan Rivers. But, like, you know, that's a background character, like a piece of lore that's only possible in the books because they're not going to go into or, – or they might – I don't know when – how the fuck they're going to explain the Blackfire Rebellion and everything that happened in the back end. But, like, there's no way or time to do that. So, you know, he's just a three-eyed raven and that's just where we know him. They don't really go into explaining, like, where he comes from or – you know what he's what he, why he's in a tree. So he's never explained in either of the book of the movies. <laughs> my my kind of uh, an interesting point was how you know. So the children of the forest say that they essentially pierced uh, Benjen with dragon glass, just like they did with the White Walkers, in order to like mm-hmm. more or less save his life. So I guess he's kind of like a, he's basically like an undead person. But the question is like how how are they able to kind of allow him to keep his mind while the White Walkers have kind of you know jumped shark right. So well, that's that suggests to me that the White Walkers have a lot more agency than people are giving them, because mm-hmm. obviously they turned on their creators. Mm-hmm. So what it suggests to me, what it suggests to me is that like the like the he accepted the help, and there's a different relationship between him and the children, whereas the children clearly forced uh, the Night King or the the first White Walkers to be not White Walkers against so, their will. Like, Right, exactly. And whether or not there's another... Like, I feel a lot of people are talking about the Great Other and what other powers might be in play. And, like, whether or not the Great Other is something that is actually physically in contact with the White Walkers. Because the White Walkers... I think the most terrifying thing about the White Walkers is people were talking about, like, Bran having green seer capabilities. But clearly the Night King had something similar. Or was he able... was Or at the very least was able to reach out and touch Bran in the green seer state. So what does that mean for the for the cognitive capabilities of the white walkers and what does that mean for their powers and ability and can they reach out and time travel and do all sorts of terrible shit <laughs> like that's i an, mean that's an interesting point because i think what makes the white walkers so terrifying is that we really don't know all that much about them in terms of their motivation exactly so perhaps exactly. When, when they decide to like flesh that out more and perhaps when the white walkers decide to cross the wall we'll actually kind of hear about their motivations and like why they're doing what they're doing and you know i think that's actually a really interesting point that they they haven't really fleshed out at all at this point yeah grm 
touched on it and like when he was talking about the ice swords and stuff he's like it's not just made of ice they don't just grow these things out of this they're working with ice there's like a society like they have like their own culture and society and thing that's happening among the white walkers and we've only seen four or five and you know it's led to believe that there are only four or five white walkers but who knows i mean that early references says there were several in a circle so there should be quite a few of them and mm-hmm. also some sort of like cultural technology like they're build they're you know learning and making weapons and all this stuff so i think I think it is it's um it's complicated like what's actually happening up there cuz we just he's re- and it's funny too because it's it, it comes back to, like we have so much information on the human world because of like people talking and like that sort of thing and people taking things stuff from context but we really have no effing idea other than like scattered information from the white walkers which is really I think Sam's vehicle to going and learning ancient knowledge from the maesters yeah, you think we could just about be the white walkers generals the whole time and all, 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 all the time there's like an actual civilization of white walkers deep in the mountains up north that we just don't know no, about. That's, there's just no there's just no evidence to support that that's me saying that you know what I mean yeah yeah I know what you mean like there could but. be I there's like no I mean we don't know <laughs> I, I want to know what happens Sorry. from the point they you know infect the like Craster's babies yeah. or whatever yeah. and they're like right. you know, that was, freaky ice babies bit. and then how, how do they go from that to a full-grown white walker what happens well, uh, that's the point. Point is like they. The, the other thing is that the White Walkers show a lot more agency than like the Whites and all that stuff. So yes, it's, it's clear that they are like people, and like he's fleshed them out into making them feel like a people. Like a people have technology. A people grow up. A people do all these things. It's just you know they're probably on the other side of death or in the death part. And I and I associate death because it's the opposite of passion. It's the opposite of all these other things. So maybe I'm overlapping things that aren't necessarily true, but I do feel like that theme's running through them. They're the white death and all this other things. Winter is coming. Well, they're, they're very much the idea of entropy. Yeah. They're very much the idea of, of the coldness of, of death and entropy. Right. Life, life can't, life can't come here. What's on the other side of life. It's like this unlife they represent. Yeah. Definitely. So obviously they're bringing people back from death, so you, they're undead. So mm-hmm. clearly they represent death. Do we want to start uh, trying to unpack the visions that Bran had? Well, it's interesting yeah. because most of the visions were um, the show. <laughs> he was just watching uh, the last right. season, right, 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 uh, right. So there's a lot of that, but the new stuff was mostly King Ares, which is definitely interesting in terms of you know sort of the big fan theory, uh, which is that Bran. Is I the think one it's who at least time traveled. Yeah. I think made. it's. A, Hey, let me finish, let me finish. Uh, he time-traveled yeah, yeah, yeah. and let Ares uh, go crazy. There was certainly very something very interesting where he kept repeating the famous line, uh, burn them all, burn them all. We saw the wildfire explosion under the Red Keep, and we saw, or sorry, King's Landing, and then uh, we saw um, uh, Jamie kill King Ares. So I think there was something very much they're hinting at with Ares because they showed him so many times in that uh, vision. He was the only really new revelation as far as I could tell. So it very much felt like that is going to be either confirmed or delved into more. Mm. I agree. Mm. Yeah, because I, I, it's another thing too. Because I, it's one of those things where you know we had we had been talking about this for so long, and then they've been they've been really supercharging Brand's character development over the last couple episodes. Um, as Jack, I think, was pointing out last time, like I would have been perfectly fine with him just being in the Weirwood Tree and like downloading visions the entire season, but they've decided to yeah. move him along a little, a little bit faster. And one yeah. of the theories that I've always had, of course, was the was the Eris, uh idea that you know, obviously, as, as Ben was saying, that you know, Bran causes him to go crazy and then sets all the motion, sets everything in motion. And I still kind of like adhere to that theory a little bit because I think now that Bran knows that he can not necessarily affect the past, but like 
is somewhat responsible for the way things are now with, with, with Hodor. I feel like he's going to try to go back and see if he can change, you know, what's, what's, what's happened in the series. And he, he's going to try to play with this power a little bit. Then I think he's got to fail, right, before he realizes mm-hmm. that, oh, shit, this is, like, a dangerous thing to do and I don't have enough experience to, like, go and try to affect what's what's going to happen. So I, I could still see that going on, but at the same token, I could just see this as uh, something the showrunners are doing. It's like, no, nah, I'm going to screw with you because all the fans know that this theory is a thing, so I'm going to, like, defeat right, your expectations. Right. Right, so. well, that's what I'm wondering with Game Bowl, which we'll get to later. It's like, are you just, you're actually setting this up or are you just fucking with us? You know, it's Dude, I'm sorry. There's not enough evidence to suggest Game Bowl we'll, is actually we'll going to fucking we'll happen. Like, <laughs> I mean, as, as time's moved on, I'm kind of like, yeah, I know. It's cool internet-y and all that jazz, but, like, like they would have given us more hints in the season that that shit's actually going to happen. Do you know? What I, I mean? think they're giving us plenty of hints, but we'll mm. we'll get to. Oh, we'll right, see, but we'll, right. see. well let's, I'm gonna make another cup of coffee. Vostothrak time. Let's move. Let's move down south. So from the from the land of ice to the land of fire. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love shots, he was Whoa. proud of that. <laughs> Look how clever I am. <laughs> so oh this is a. It was a really short scene, but it was. Uh, it was the one that I think ha- had the most effect on you know. Danny's character, and of course they chose to end the episode on the scene. Um, I guess they they saved their whole CGI budget to like make Drogon look really yes. cool. Dragon <laughs> was just sexy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what was interesting about the speech that she gives um, is that it really closely paralleled the speech that Khal Drogo gave uh, when he had finally bought into Danny's idea of you know crossing the the sea and taking over the seven kingdoms uh, or westeros as we know it and i i kind of see her channeling him in a sense but the question that i that really faced me is like is she kind of like starting to embody um cal drogo more than like we thought she was because i know they've been really building her up as a conqueror and uh i've got some kind of issues with that not necessarily with with danny per se but with the issue of just kind of being a conqueror because if you look at it historically, most of the conquerors of the world, you know, wreak incredible havoc, like the <laughs> Mongols, I think, who the Dothraki are largely based off of, mm-hmm. uh, caused, you know, the Mongol Wars, like about 80 million people died during those. So you can't, it shows that you, you can't really just be a conqueror. You also have to be a good uh, ruler. And I think Tyr- Tyrion is the, is the embodiment of a good ruler, while Danny is the embodiment of a conqueror. And the question well, is, is, like, when they get back to Marine, is there going to be a conflict between those two points of view, or are they going to kind of merge into one and then kind of have this effective unit going out from there? So, here's here's my question, and this is the issue: is like it was always fair what Danny's done so far in terms of her conquering. They never had her fight the city leaders or like the merchant cities. They always had her go after slaves. And that's kind of plot armor to what Danny fucking is. And she's like, I'm going to go conquer these people. And I'm like, yeah, but you're, you're a conk. Like, and this comes back around is does she, does the seven kingdoms actually need her or want her? Or is that like the right thing for her to do? And I think most of the time people are saying, well, no, not really. But at the same time, like, I don't know. Like, it's, it's like, it's her birthright, right? That's what she views it as. It's like, I'm entitled having the yeah, iron throne. that's fucking stupid when she's being bernie sanders and saying like, i'm going to break the wheel like like yeah, yeah but See, that's, that's only that, to that, advantage that's of yourself though right it's like whenever she's been like out east 
her whole, you know, what's justified her going in and killing all these people is that she's like, well, I'm trying to free the slaves, and I'm trying to make a right. better society. But when she crosses right. the sea to go to Westeros, she's not fighting for that anymore. She's now fighting for what she views as her birthright, which is the Iron Throne. So it's a different, like, motivation. Yeah, I feel like she's much more in a let's burn this motherfucker down state, you know, because <laughs> she... Why would you ally yourself with the Dothraki if you want peace? You know, Dothraki aren't about peace. Like you said, they're about war and conquering and destruction. And they are more Mongolian-like in that sense. Like, she was more Alexandrian in the first part where she was trying to take over cities and leave those city-states puppeted but in her power, you know, and, and trying to create an empire. Where this just feels way more like, we're going to go right into Marine. Are you really going to tell these guys, hey, don't take slaves and have peace and, you know, do diplomacy? You're going to have a bunch of horse riders... No, they want to go conquer the next place and rape and well, village and take everything else. This is the point. Like her on the back of a dragon is super fanciful and stuff, but like, but like, holy shit, this complicates things, you know? Like, and she's and like, this is the point. Is like, she's got a big enough army. She's got the Dothraki, so she can put down any rebellion or anything they actually want to do. So if they do that, and and and, but she's never going to be able to still be able to hold Slaver's Bay. So, like, I do think your initial things, and this is the point, is, like, I didn't agree with you at the beginning, Sean, but I do think there's going to be some sort of conflict between her, between her and Tyrion. Right. What do you think's going to happen to the other two dragons? Uh, That's the big question. Yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I, 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 There's something involving Euron in the books which might affect that, <laughs> see where his story goes, and then there's some grand stuff that I've also wondered forever, so... That was kind of one of the funny points that I wanted to raise, is, like... In the previous episode, Euron's like, we need to create a thousand ships. And then in this episode, uh, Daria's like, yeah, it'll take us about a thousand ships to cross the sea. (laughs) (laughs) Euron is Dario. (laughs) (laughs) Look, we'll never... uh, This show has never been great at the exposition. We'll get to the phrase and one of my least favorite exposition moments of all time. But, uh... Yeah, that was was bad. Um, But, I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. I like the echoed speech. I think the issue here is that Danny is Danny. Like I think this is Danny's come to Jesus moment that uh, that Arya had on the same episode. It's like these people are doing bad things, but they've always done it in the service of good points and good like good pursuits. Like you know, she became Khal Drogo because she didn't really have an option, and she just made the best of the situation. From there, she gained like everything and freed slaves because freeing slaving slaves is good. But, like, from here on out, like, she has to become a true conqueror, and I think that's eventually going to be a a compromising position for her, and especially that's coming back around to her being, like, a religious symbol. She has to square it with herself, and I think, like, when she sees the realities of what it means to be a conqueror and, like, when the Seven Kingdoms don't necessarily jump up and accept her, it's going to be an issue. Yeah. That's not to say I don't think she'll have an issue killing Lannisters, but, like, you know... (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you have two giant forces aren't rallying against Westeros, and they don't give a shit about either. You know, they've always laughed off Danny and just figured she'll just do whatever she does, even when she has dragons. And then they don't even believe White Walkers exist. So obviously, there's this tension building up between two right. giant forces coming from two different sides. Right. And this is the point: is like she has the forces to like, let's say that like the like the Seven Kingdoms were allied. Like she has the forces to oppose them in open war. The whole Seven Kingdoms. Right. Not, not 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 win because like you have iron iron knights and that sort of thing so like people can still be successful and people can cast and the dragons up. are big enough yet I would say to, mm. they aren't the size that uh, the dragons I think I think they're a game changer though because like they're dra- big enough, she has no control over them this issue that, 
Yeah. Well, except randomly except for today. Drogon, yeah. Well, and that was kind of random this episode. I was like, I needed them to like find a magical horn or something. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, I don't know. It's like a dragon whistle, like a dog whistle. She's like, oh my God, that stings. It stings. What? Bitch, stop that. I'll do yeah. what you want. One of the, uh, one of the theories on Reddit is that like Danny's going to become like the, they're going to turn her into like the villain for the last season. And like pit her up against like I guess John maybe or like the Tyrells Ugh. or something like that, um, which I, I don't know how I feel about that because like you've been oh rooting. My God, for- you're really gonna push that Marjorie on the on the throne fucking theory, aren't you? Okay, all right, give me like we're gonna get there. We'll, we'll get, get there, there at the end, but just Jesus Christ, I, I'm making my feelings about it known now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well let, let's go ahead and move to King's Landing then. Um, so there were. No, we gotta do Frey's first, twins. Oh, no, oh yeah, you're right, you're right. Let's do the twins. Um, so, this is actually, like, a really short little scene with, uh, I guess they had, like, Argus Filch, because I'm, I'm gonna call him that from fucking Harry Potter. It's <laughs> 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 Walter Frey. Bradley, I love the man. Well, that's what he is, he's Filch. Like, he's, it's like Bernie Sanders, like, he's just Filch <laughs> for the rest of the series now. Um, so Filch is in his castle without his wizards. Um, I don't know. But it was, it was a little great confrontation there where he's just, like, chiding his sons. He's like, you guys, little bitches, like, I'm gonna slap you around if you lost forever run. And I Black love Walder. Walder Frey. He's such an asshole, but he's surrounded by idiots. He's just <laughs> surrounded by just morons. Like, like, and it's it's great, like, how he's just this old... And I love how, like, they do the character bit. It's just, like, they're, like, monsters. And they're trying... They're desperately trying to remind us of these characters, <laughs> like Edmer. Oh, like, they're like, oh. who's Edmer? <laughs> like, hey, they, have they, the, they have those shots of him, like, in the beginning of the episode, like, him firing at the boat. And I was like, yeah, I remember that, like, two seasons ago. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Uh, the part where he literally goes... Hey, remember when you murdered yeah, Captain Stark? All remember when you stabbed her in the right? stomach? Like, <laughs> like, hey guys, these are the guys you're supposed to hate. I'm like, I get it. They're probably going to die horribly. Okay, I'm on board. It's like Black Walder. I was just like, stop trying to remind me who these people are. <laughs> I like Black it. Walder. Go ahead. Sam. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I had legitimately forgotten that, like, Edmure Tolley was still, like, a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. It, it's, it's weird how much, like, the Red Wedding meant so much, but so many elements are just now coming back, like Blackfish, Edmure Tolley, the Furries. But there's you know, the thing, it's like, like, people can't remember whose wedding is the Red Wedding. <laughs> like, like, you know who dies. That's true. You know That's who dies. Mm-hmm. You know whose wedding is the Purple Wedding and who dies at the Purple Wedding, but you don't know who the fucking Red Wedding is. Like, yeah, Caitlyn's, like, Caitlyn Stark's, like, brother or something i don't know <laughs> exactly. that's actually correct and i think i was accidentally correct you were that is correct I think you were it was, uh, it was, uh, was edmir and Man. then uh, rosalind frey who's one of walder's uh children and the idea was that that was going to remedy rob stark marrying i don't know the no no, one- no 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 i i i know i know what it is sean you don't have to oh, no, no, no. i feel like it's for the for the audience just so yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah i know you know motherfucker. Oh, is, is rosalind is rosalind frey still alive that was the one thing sorry so many people died at the red wedding i just haven't kept track because it's well, it is funny too because like they're sure, they're all coming back now well i think the, uh, yeah i don't know if she's there or not the bride at good... the red wedding was I... at her throat slit by Caitlyn Stark. Right? I don't know. I thought the bride that and groom was, was like Walder's... went away, and then right after that happened, Walder Frey. Yeah, was the like, Walder, okay, the girl that's throat got slit was Walder Frey's wife, and that's why he has the new wife next oh, to him that right. looks incredibly yeah. uncomfortable. And he's like, I'll just get a new one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's why she looks so uncomfortable. And he's like, sit on my lap, and I'm like, oh, this is this is. Mm. Damn it, uh, Phil. Yeah, one, one 
other thing. Who vetted Filch for a school? Like this man is creepy and old, and like he's like gonna like rape some young wizard. I don't know. I don't. Oh god. Well, well, we get off that boat. I will say that uh, on the SSS abandoned plot lines, I think we have almost everybody off now because now Blackfish is back. And they even mentioned the Brotherhood without banners, which had me excited. Possibly <laughs> oh, yeah. Lady Stoneheart um, confirmed. You know, you miss. You forget the most important abandoned plot line. Where is Arya's Bay? What? What? Gendry, motherfucker. Where is Gendry? Uh, oh, Gendry. Yeah, the, the rower is still oh, yeah. out there somewhere. <laughs> I'm on a boat. The- Gendry will always be on the SSS abandoned plot lines, and people will come off is, and on, but he he'll be on the forever. Ship being referenced, <laughs> <laughs> he's the he's the captain, and forever will be. But <laughs> at least the other ones have gotten off. <laughs> well, Eddie, I hope it's be terrible if they're like you're gonna be off Game of Thrones and not act for like three seasons, and he comes back and he's like, I'm fat now. <laughs> it's like I hope he's like working out somewhere and gonna come back <laughs> oh. old and shit, and be like, I'm hot now. I don't know. <laughs> They're making jokes about Benjamin Stark that he's been like scraping by, like living in like a studio apartment because he's not getting fucking paid for like four seasons. They're like, well, that's what I mean, it's like. The dude's been working, just haven't seen anything he's done, man. He's legitimately like in three episodes of the first season, and we're six seasons in, and he's like, You got a job again, Benjamin? His agent's like so excited about it. He's like, You remember when you were at Game of Thrones like six years ago? We got work for you, bitch. <laughs> oh man! All right, they, well, they didn't have the CG budget to do cold hands as, as an actual White Walker. So you're in, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, let's go ahead and move to the most important thing I think that happens all episode that they're really building up, which was King's Landing, and um, a, which was a little nothing happened. Yeah, which is a big old pile of blue balls. I know it was yeah, the first was... episode that nobody died in, and I was super pissed because I was like, I knew, I, I knew that the fucking high spirit was going to die, but no, they're going to keep him around. I thought so too, man. That was my prediction. Yeah, we, we know what this means. Is Bernie is like he's on for a couple more episodes, oh, dude. Yeah. Definitely, like, at least just, this season. Not yeah. just not just this episode, but like if he's not like cast in the next couple episodes, that means we're not getting King's Landing episodes. Which, with the promo and Jamie going off to River Run, I'm pretty sure that's going to be what happens. Is we're going to get some some non heavy King's Landing episodes for the rest of the season until that Oof. plot line comes. I, back okay, well here here I'm going to like I'm going to levy my disagreement with that. So I'm gonna, I'm also going to posit my theory. So right. you you have the whole interaction with right. So that <laughs> my theory. The uh, the High Sparrow allows Tommen to go visit Marjorie, and in the scene. Uh, Marjorie kind of comes up with a really brilliant plan uh, where she essentially gets Tommen onto, like, apparently onto the High Sparrow side and, and convinces him that she's, like, had this big conversion. Um, but really, I think that's more of a self-defense ploy on her part because she doesn't know that the Tyrells have, are going to, like, amass this army and, like, storm, you know, the, the High Sparrow Sept or whatever the fuck you call it. So she's essentially, like, working on her own in order to, like, have this plan. But based on, like, how they've developed her and made her a lot more, you know, kind of conniving, like, the Tyrell. Like, I mean, she's, like, she's essentially, like, a younger Elena Tyrell in my mind, where she Mm -hmm. is going to have some sort of a strategy to essentially get on the throne. And she was super effective at it. Like, they had in, in, uh, you know, after the thrones, they said that, Marjorie actually won the week because not only did she get her and Tommen out of there safely and, and avoid having a confrontation between the High Sparrow and the Lannisters and the Tyrells, 
she also is starting to like isolate Tommen from you know Jamie and Cersei, where he kind of he's kind of under her control now. So mm-hmm. my the whole point of this story is that I kind of see Tommen dying because that's part of the prophecy, and like a he also doesn't have enough agency, so he's got to go at some point. And then, like, once he's gone, it's unclear, like, what the line of succession is, because there are no more, like, he doesn't have kids, he doesn't have any, like, brothers, and the Baratheon line, like, doesn't have, like, you know, Renly and uh, Stannis are both dead, so it's like, well, what do, what the fuck do you do at that time? So I think that's going to be the opening for the Tyrells to take power and for Marjorie to sit the throne. I actually would like that. Yeah, that, that actually does kind of make sense to me. But then uh, Gendry like will reappear yeah. out of the blue and be like, hey, guess what, <laughs> bitches? Yeah, no, I think if that right happens, the, the, I think Diana Rigg, the Queen of Thorns, will just stab him like, shh, shh, she's not here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen. I, all right, so let me, let me, all right, we need to take this down. And, and I, here's the thing. I agree with you, Sean, and I think you, to some extent, Trevor, that, like, I don't disagree with that happening on the basis of I think it would be a development that I would like. I don't see it happening because we're not invested in those characters. It's not as cool from a narrative perspective to see those characters champion the Game of Thrones unless it's, like, a third act reveal and then you don't spend time on them because it's only interesting in in the context of the Lannister storyline and let's get real here for a minute like how is the Lannister storyline going to play out Cersei's going to have a reckoning or whatever the fuck is coming and that's what I think is most likely coming like I think that like there has to be something coming around to what's going on with the Lannister storyline which is way more thematic and way more important to the plot of the Game of Thrones and way more important to the established characters that we actually care about. We care oh, about Marjorie, I, I but think she's we're a side the fucking character. Point, like Cersei and Jaime. I no, think we, no, 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 I'm no, more no. invested in the Tyrells. Really? Yeah. But like, but like, they're not but like, like. Let's be honest. Where they come in and like the 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 the, 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 the Lannisters have been sneakily working their way up as a Lannister would from a B character to an A character well, plotline for like for like two seasons. Well, remember, like we, 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 we established Jamie as like uh, somebody that we can actually like after, you know, from the first season of him pushing a child out the window to like losing his hand. Like now he's like a character we empathize with and we root for him. And that's the thing is like in the next episode, the Blackfish is the guy we're supposed to be rooting for, but we're still probably going to be more interested in what's going on with Jamie and what's happening with Jamie. Yeah, no, I get that. I just, I'm saying, I just, I don't know. I just, my favorite line of the episode was when Oleana uh, said, "We lost." That's what's happening. <laughs> Her husband's just like baffled. I love. True I was expecting like, I haven't Mace to, to fall yet. off his horse from the moment I saw him in that armor. I was like, he's gonna fall off his horse. Oh my god, he's gonna uh, fall off his Mace, horse. Mace he's gonna like fall classic, off his horse. Mace is classic 1930s rich guy, like screwball. Like he'd be in a Mars Bros. movie oh, and yeah. they'd like oh, yeah. fuck him over, and he'd be like, "Whoa!" He's got like the there best, is, like, "What's happening?" There is so I, much plumage. I see him, and I'm always like Prussian. Like that's everything I've ever seen. He's like, "Oh, he's like Prussian." I get it. He's like Prussian. <laughs> so much plumage with a mustache. <laughs> well, okay. So here's the thing, though, about that whole scene, right? So like, Elena's like, "Oh, we lost," but I don't think they actually did. Like. From if you look at it from the Tyrell's perspective and from what Marjorie what was fuck? doing, like okay. I think I think that's really the showrunners kind of like messing around with your expectations about what happened there. Because from the Tyrell's perspective, everything is going according to plan. Like they've got Tommen under their control. They've got a fucking army in King's Landing, and they like you know they got Marjorie back. So nothing here's, went here's wrong the pro- for them. <laughs> look, here's the problem with your theory, Sean. Like maybe if Tommen dies, that's cool. 
the, the like their goal right now is just to have Marjorie stay with Toman and have a b- fucking baby. <laughs> I no, I, I don't think so. Like that's I, that is that is the goal. That's like what the Lannisters did. That's their goal. Their goal isn't to kill off Toman and then have the queen take control. Like that doesn't make any sense from a power structure. That's not how succession works. And if they do do that, then there would be like Walder Frey would make a claim on the throne. You don't know who's going to come out of there, and like there's going to be a civil war if you lose the king at this point. Well, like king is the linchpin, and and them trying to throw in Marjorie doesn't make sense in this context. Yeah, and I agree with you. It'd be cool. It would be, yeah. The king has died. There is no succession to the Baratheon line. She doesn't have a child, so she's taking over the line. That's a big. That's a big. Yeah, sell. but remember, I, I think like remember really the, like the only thing that makes sense is for her to have a baby. So remember that the Tyrells are like the most popular family in the entire Westeros, right? Because they no, the, no, 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 no. So no, they're no. like super. Yeah, they are. They are with the peasants because they give out all this. They're like the richest house because they. It's like they're the breadbasket right. of Westeros, so they're giving out all this money all the time. So a, they're like popular. I know. And I know. B, they've the got an army. Like they got the people on their side and they got a fucking army. There's no way that they're not going to take over. Well, do they? Well, we don't know if they do after this. I don't know. I don't. I don't see like now like, that. Why, now that would, why would the army stay? Why would they stay? Why not? Like it's clear. It, why would the Harris High Sparrow allow them to stay? He'd be like, Tobin, we're pros now. Get them the fuck out of here. They scare my pros. Come on, bro. Why you see Christopher Walken? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think Cersei's long for this world now that uh, Jamie. I mean, I don't know. It's like she's no. They, Jamie, they've always no, worked. She best. and Jamie had a really romantic kiss in that last episode. That means one of them is about to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, Jamie has to kill Cersei. That has to happen. Maybe the Hound kills Cersei because there's a prophet. There's literally, oh my god, there's literally a prophecy that says, I will die by my little brother. Cersei thinks that means Tyrion, but there's, why in the fuck do we know that uh, that yeah. Cersei came out before Jaime, other than to establish the fact that Jaime is also a little brother? Oh, like, why damn. would they even include that information? Yeah. It has, like, Jaime has to kill Cersei, and that's the thing, Jaime's left, Cersei does something unimaginably horrible that possibly leads to Tommen's death, and Jaime just goes nuts and murders her. Like, that's what's gonna happen. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> like, there is too much contextual evidence in the book for that not to happen, at least in the book. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Wow. All right. I just. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I always think that they, they, they've, they've worked. They've worked well together when the when the two of them have been like together. You know, because they they've been doing pretty well up until this point. But whenever like Cersei goes off on her own, she, you know, she like she's very good at like protecting her family, and that's kind of like her character. But like when she's trying to like rule and figure out like how they're going to strategize, like she hasn't been very oh, good she's at so it. So bad. So she's I just so I just bad. see the Tyrells just like outmaneuvering her. You know, if the Tyrells don't, the High Sparrow will, right? Cause well, she's I also pro- agree with uh, with that that like when, with Jack and that one of the things about the Lannisters is that the family destroys itself. You know, who kills all the major Lannisters? It's a Lannister, like, right? It's part of the that's the storyline. So that's the thing is like maybe like they'll destroy themselves. Like I don't think that they're gonna show the Tyrells winning because like it'll be the Lannisters' own damn fault if they lose. Right. Like Ty- I think I think I agree. With- um, Sean, that yeah, if they do take over, it's more that that the Lannisters have destroyed themselves and they just take over a power vacuum. 
right so and, and that's the thing is you have this idea that the only way that it makes sense and not to be offensive but like you want to give the tyrells a bunch of agency and marjorie a bunch of agency um that they're secretly winning the game of thrones and like they're back dealing and crazy mostly because you just think marjorie's hot let's be honest sean <laughs> um i mean it's true I, I i love you bro but i know it's true she's hot i agree but that doesn't cloud my judgment like <laughs> Like just come on, we, bro. We come all on, know bro. that Sean gave this episode a three out of five because uh, Marjorie did not do the walk of shame. <laughs> hey. Okay, no, I was, I was excited because now she's gonna have the deep V outfits back again to bring it back next episode. God damn it, Sean! God, God, fucking damn it! Oh my god. Okay. All right. All right. So let's. All right. There's two things I want to kind of talk about before we close it out. Uh, first, let's talk about predictions for where, because Jamie's going back to the Riverlands, so predictions for what's going to happen there between Jamie and, and, and uh, the Blackfish, and then predictions between like the conflict between the High Sparrow and King's Landing. So, let's... Well, one thing I'll add, too, is, uh, is Brienne should be getting there on time, too, Brienne and Podrick, so it's going to be kind of all three of them. Yeah, kind of not, to, not to mention that Brienne is going to meet probably back up with Jamie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because apparently Jamie's getting there next episode, so he obviously has, like, magical teleportation powers. <laughs> Everyone learned the little figure teleport magic. They all found his secret I, I, underground I tunnels. It's more likely that Bran just broke time. <laughs> <laughs> A dick through time and space. <laughs> all right, so, oh, so let, let's start with uh, Jamie and uh, the Blackfish. What do, what do we think is going to happen there? So I'll start with uh, you, Jack, if you've got any thoughts. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing is, like, uh, with, with this coming forward, like, uh, oh, God, is the next episode titled Oathbreaker? It is. Holy shit! Or no, it's the broken yeah. man. It's it's the broken man. I'm sorry. Which everybody oh. everybody says that means Sander Clegane and Clegane Bowl's a thing. Uh-huh. Oh oh, where 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 are we? <laughs> oh oh, I, I know. I see what's wrong. I'm just reading it backwards. Blood of my blood, because Book of Oathbreaker was on. Yeah, it was uh, episode three. Ow. Um, so yeah, the broken man. I I think with this. All right, what was I talking about, Sean? Help me. Oh, <laughs> uh, the uh, blackfish. <laughs> Jamie and the blackfish. Blackfish. Okay, with Jamie and the blackfish, like it's gonna go in the way of the book, cause like blackfish is gonna like Jamie's trying to establish himself <laughs> as the head of the t- of the Lannister army. He's nice. gotta essentially be his father, and he's always far from being his father. That's gonna be the new theme for Jamie, is that he's. He's just trying to be Tywin, and he's not Tywin because Peter Dinklage is Tywin, and that's the point. Well, not, and Tyrion is Tywin, and that's that's the whole point that he's going to be is he's going to fall short as a military commander, and he's going to continue to fall short as a person. So he's gonna he's like it's going to be a dire situation for the Blackfish, and if I recall correctly, the Blackfish gets out of it and kind of runs away, even though like he surrenders some stuff because they were threatening Edward Torley or something. And he's going to be for furious that like the Blackfish gets away. Maybe that'll happen over a couple of episodes. I do expect Brienne to, sh- to show up in some capacity and see them on opposite sides right. of the issue. I think that needs to there needs to be a completion there, and I don't think anyone expected Brienne and Jamie as a ship to to go forward in quite the way it did. So we'll see what comes of that. I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily ship that. And you know, I'm now yeah. Brienne and Tormund forever. So. Uh, <laughs> Like that's my ship, and uh, I don't know that one can ship Cersei and Jamie, but uh, you know, I want to. I want to see Jamie. Uh, I want to see him. You know, find some happiness, settle down. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Look, I think Ben's avatar agrees with you. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah Tormund. <laughs> you, the viewer can't see it, but uh, Ben's avatar is Tormund's uh, face at as he was smiling at Brienne on horseback. <laughs> it's just, wonderful. Look. It's just wonderful. He's just so horrifying. It's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so, just to kind of give my two cents about the whole uh, the whole thing that they're doing they're doing there is that if we recall in the books, uh, at some point. Cersei sends Jamie a letter while he's in the Riverlands asking for assistance uh, and to come back. And I see that kind of happening here, but in a different way, where everything's going to go to shit in King's Landing because, uh, you know, Cersei's kind of by herself and she can kind of be outmaneuvered either by the Her- the High Sparrow or by the Tyrells. And that's going to be what has what ends up bringing Jamie back. Like maybe Tommen dies, I don't know, but I think like something's going to happen there. Um, in terms of what goes on between uh, Jamie and the Blackfish and uh, Brienne, I'm I'm totally on board with that. There's going to be a Jamie Brienne re, re, reunion, I guess, and uh, they're going to have to be on opposite sides of the of the the issue in order to kind of build up tension between their character. Because yeah, no, it has to be. It's got to be Brienne and Dormant. That's the way it's going to go. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Uh, people like people like that too quickly, too fast. But there are people that are like, so yeah, I don't care. <laughs> it's great. There are people that are like diehard Jamie and Brienne, but you know, whatever. Nah, they're bros. They're bros. Yeah, they're just bros, man. <laughs> I like that. I like. They see that's the way I took it as well. I liked that they like they were like they were just like friends, and he respected her as a knight, and that was what that was in that was important, you know, for Brienne's character as well as his and. I think it. Was, I think I like them better as friends, and I'm ready for um, you know Brienne to go be the giant and Tormund Giant's Bane name. Right. <laughs> yeah, because I think that was the idea is that you know Jamie's always been seen well before he lost his hand as like the best knight in Westeros, and that Brienne was on the same level as him, and arguably better than he he is. Uh, gave her you know a lot more credence, and I thought it was really great. You know, but anyway, so. Uh, uh, ben, just a general prediction for next time. Uh, yeah, let's see. It, it's tough to say. Uh, we're also going to see Sansa go up to House Mormont, and I'm not sure what's going to happen there. Especially she doesn't remind me. Brienne is part of House Mormont. Am I wrong on that? Uh, no, she is no. from um... Tarth. Oh yes, Tarth. Yes. That's what it is. Brienne of Tarth. Thank you, thank you. Who's from Mormont? Who am I? Who am I thinking about? Jorah. Jorah. Jorah! And, uh, and, the, right. and the, the first so, knight commander. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. All right. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting because we don't know much of House Mormont beyond just Jorah, the uh, the disgraced knight. So well, I don't the, know what's going to go on there. I can't really say for sure. So I guess I'll say with the North, I do think we're probably going to get some kind of Brienne. I think I think Jamie's going to meet the Blackfish. It's not going to go great, <laughs> and then he's going to leave kind of mad and pissy and he's going to meet Brienne and they're going to hash some shit out. I think that's basically what I'm thinking we're going to see. And we're also seeing Bronn mm. again, which makes me happy. He of course Wait. of course Yeah, Brienne is in the 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 new Bronn is in the new um the the trailer. So he's he's coming. Oh, yeah. cool. Cool, yeah, cool. So, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to get some Bronn bro and we're going to get some bro down with Brienne. It's going to be a bro so, fest in the north. Bro. Kind bro. of a, a fun fact, speaking of Bronn, apparently uh, Lena Headey and the actor who plays Bronn dated and it didn't end well and that it, it's actually in Lena Headey's contract that Bronn and Cersei can't be in the same scene together because it ended oh, that yeah. badly. <laughs> oh, ouch. 
<laughs> that's not good. So, oh boy, we'll see what happens there. But uh, so <laughs> prediction, they'll never be on screen. Together. <laughs> uh, Trevor, you got any uh, predictions for what's going on? Uh, well, we're kind of getting to the territory of like the lost plot lines for me, where I don't even remember all the pieces on the board. Um, I kind of got my last prediction finally, where I kept thinking Daenerys would have to have some sort of come Jesus moment with the Dothraki, where she, you know, talks them into her grand designs. Um, so we finally got that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess, uh, obviously, Jamie's going to confront Tommen at some point about, you know, what the fuck just went down with uh, the uh, Faith Militant. To get him off the Kingsguard, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that fuck that already happened. In the... Oh, wait, yeah, yeah. That was... That was that was a, that was a little bit too fast of a reversal of Toman's character. If I was being honest, I mean, I know he's a pawn and he has to be versatile and like be easily convinced to be a pawn in this game. But still, like I was like, that was a little bit too fast, Jonathan Price. Like, That's actually so fast. You know, I know you have Bernie. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't. I don't think it was. <laughs> I don't think it was Jonathan Price. I think it was all Marjorie, man. Like. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's too but, soon for her to make another play. Really, Jonathan Price's thing about like talking about like his mother's love and explaining it to him was effective, though. I mean, I think it's a combination to some extent. That was a good speech, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I did I, love. I wanna... uh, oh yeah, sorry. Go for it, sir. Well, just uh, talking about Jonathan Price again, and maybe his, I don't know if his agency is the right wor- right word, but uh, a couple episodes ago, he talked about his shoes again and how he didn't have them, and. Wasn't that different than the no? But but seriously, didn't didn't he tell a different story than uh, than the first time he talked about not having shoes? I don't remember. Okay, because at this time he he like walked away from a party and is like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want these shoes. That was the most recent story. But the first time he told Cersei, I've given them to someone who needed them more. And it's starting to be like, you know, with the Joker of, do you want to know how I got these scars? Like, it's a different story every time. I don't know. I'm probably reading too much into this. He pulled the Joker? I I completely missed it. That's actually kind of interesting, yeah. You might be right. I'll have to go compare those speeches because... There's a lot of ego in that smile he gives Mm -hmm. Jamie across the world. Yeah, the more the Faith Militant become powerful, he's more less and less trustworthy of Mm -hmm. being a... Saint, you know. There's a quote from Frank Herbert's novel <sighs> Dune. It Y'all says, "When religion so and politics ride in the same cart, the whirlwind follows," which just basically means everything is about to go to shit. And uh, that's what I see happening in King's Landing. Is as yeah. soon as Tommen comes out there and starts talking about, you know, religion and the crown are going to be, you know, one thing. I was like, oh shit, shit, shit! This is a terrible <laughs> well, idea. Well, it says the heist. What the plot? synopsis is one is four things and one of them is the high sparrow eyes another target so clearly we are getting either cersei or someone mm-hmm. else being uh trying to rein in i'm waiting for for being <laughs> 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 oh yeah the game will confirm Ian mcshane shows up with the hound it's gonna happen <laughs> you know what all right we haven't touched uncle game Bowl. i have to i have to say this I don't think it's going to happen, guys. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you know, if, if Clegango Bowl happens, that confirms for me that the showrunners are too far into fan theory. Like, I like the idea of Clegane Bowl, but there needs to be more build up to this shit happening. And I, I, I'm not saying there isn't evidence to suggest it could happen. There's like a lot of, I've seen the evidence laid out. Like, there is some there. But like, at the same time, it's not like, it's not like, 
it would be a big reveal that he's fucking alive. And, like, what's the point of that? Well, remember, the next episode's called The Broken Man, so it could be all about Sandra Clegane and, like, what happened to him after Arya left him there on the mountainside. Man, well, I just don't know how he's going to fight fucking the mountain. Like, <laughs> not just the mountain, zombie mountain. Like, zombie, what the fuck? zombie mountain. All right, all right, all right. What is a, what even is a zombie mountain? <laughs> <laughs> zombie mountain is a sci-fi original picture that stars <laughs> Dean Cain. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is, Ben. <laughs> all right. So before we close it out, Sarah, do you have any predictions for what's going to happen next episode? Um. Well, uh, talking more about Brienne and Jamie again. I mean. Uh, Brain Brienne uh, swore herself to Sansa, whose you know mother was a Tully. So obviously Brienne's going to be on that side of the conflict. Uh, and then um, the thing is, you know, I think Jamie, much as he might be loath to admit it, is drifting from his family. Like he just got kicked off the King's Guard. Two of his children are dead, and he can't even admit that his third one is his own to anybody else. Jamie may just end up siding with Brienne, be like, you know what? I'm tired of this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I could, no, he... I could see that. I mean, that's the thing. It's no, like... I couldn't. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say yeah. that, that Jamie's always been, like, kind of the wild card, because um, he's, you know, they started him off as a very one-dimensional character in the first season, and as you get to kind of know him a little bit better, uh, he does have some really interesting motivations. Um, so I could I could totally see that happening, and of course in the books they kind of set him, you know, he kind of has a falling out with Cersei, and then tries to kind of leave that behind and doesn't end up responding to to her letter to go help her out when she's in dire need of, of help. So I could I could totally see something like that happening and I think Tom and Tom and might be involved in terms of what happens with him. So I, I could see also Jamie Jamie being kind of upset at Cersei for for uh, she was kind of the proponent of having him go to the Riverlands in the first place. So he might be resentful of that. So I, I, there's a lot of a lot of moving pieces here for sure. I will add one more thing, and that I don't think much will happen again this episode. I think it, we're, we're just really building up to see episode 7, 8, 9. Or, sorry, 8, 9, 10. My apologies. I don't know how to count. Um, seven, <laughs> 7, 8, 9, 10. We've got four more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. Do we? Okay. So, yeah, I think, I think it's another setup episode. I don't think anything super big will happen, and if it does, it'll be the last five minutes. Like, I don't think it's going to be a super big episode. It's going to be another setup episode, which will be just fine. But I think it's what's probably going to happen. Gotcha. All right, y'all. Well, let's uh, we'll close this out. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, join us next week, and we will be discussing uh, episode seven in depth. Woo! Woo! Awesome. Yeah, that was good. good. I liked that.